You're listening to the 405 Exchange Podcast. My name is Ken Grandpierre, and today's episode is with Matoma. He's an internationally renowned DJ from Norway who, you know, you see images on Instagram, YouTube, and you think you have a good gauge of who Matoma is, which made this documentary about his life that much more special. It's a lot more revealing. It's a lot more intimate. I'm talking about his documentary, uh, One in a Million, which showcases his life before, during, and well, I don't want to say after because that doesn't make sense, but essentially what it's been like for him to pursue this career in music, to live it out. The thing that I really enjoyed about it particularly is the fact that it was very unflinching in regards to showing how, you know, uneasy it could be pursuing a dream like that. And what was really cool about getting to link up with him is how open and forward and direct he was about that film and about, you know, the nuances of what it means to be a working musician. So if in this talk we talk a lot about that, the film about his life, it's pretty much the first time we've had the chance to talk to someone on the podcast about a film based on their life, and I'm sure it won't be the last. So yeah, I hope you enjoy it. This is the 405 Exchange with Matoma. So, I guess the first question is a bit of an obvious one to ask, but I realized that over the course of doing this series, it's probably the first time I've got a chance to ask it. Um, what is it like to have a film made out of your life? It's... Uh... You know, when, when we had that in the vision of my, my project and my, my brand, I was like, oh, do I really want an EDM film? Because I've seen many EDM films and it's all about like the success and it's all about almost like giving like a brag story about how, like I made it. Uh, in a good way though, like some films are better than others. Um, but. I, I got like a, a apple in my in my throat with thinking about the thought of having a documentary about myself. But then I thought at the same time, like if, if this is executed right and it will show who I am as a person, who I really am and how much the music means to me and doing all these concerts, like meeting all the people, because I feel like a lot of DJs, they love the industry and they love the partying and they love but then then they they say that they love the fans but it's it's almost like they have a script yeah it, it, it's hard for me to believe some that say oh my fans are everything um so i just i just really wanted to show people that my fans are actually everything they are everything behind my music and and um, we had, we, I met this amazing guy um, six months earlier, uh, Tobias Freista, that ended up producing the film and, and f- being with me for two years on the road. And basically we were just hanging out up in a cabin because we have the same friends. And I didn't even know that he was um, a film producer yeah. uh, until I got hit up by the same guy because he was living in New York with his girlfriend and he wanted to shoot a marquee show I had yeah. and do like an after movie. 
And I just, I, I vibed on that guy. Like he was just like so down to earth and so nice, like same values as me and like all about spontaneousness and all about like the good vibes and creating like a good atmosphere. So I said to Andrew, like we need, we need this guy. And Andrew hit him up the same night. And the next day he had a vision of how he wanted them. He got so pumped off because he, he, he felt the same thing about me. He jumped on my bus tours uh, and he jumped on some like uh, 40 festivals wow. and he traveled with me for two years on and off and then at some point like we, we were just like we had the material we had like everything but uh, we didn't know when to release it or like uh, what we should make out of it and then my album popped up like I had been working on my album for so long and we finally had a title for it, One in a Million. Yeah. Where it's like, you know the phrase one in a million, oh, you're one in a million. It's yeah. very cliche. But for me, I just remember first time somebody said that to me, you're one in a million. And I said it in the way that you're so lucky to be able to live your dream because not that many are that lucky. Yeah. And I thought about it and I said like, yeah, I, 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 I I might, I'm, I'm might lucky, but like, I'm just here to, to make the music. Like I've always been so passionate about music. So e even though if, if DJ was, people can say like, oh, you're living the dream. But like for me, DJing wasn't my dream when I was 16 years old. I just knew that I loved music. And then on the path, I found DJing as a tool to, to promote my music and to go on tours and to meet people to, and then. Um, more recently I've added like the keyboards and like done like a more live production yeah. but at that time I was just like yeah if, 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 if that's what you're calling like yeah I'm pursuing a musical dream yeah exactly yeah and I, I've, and, I've, and I then started thinking to myself like what what does actually one in a million mean and I just I think one in a million means that when you have the right heart and you are in the right place and you are pursuing something with so much passion yeah. it doesn't matter if you have succeed or if you have it just matter that you are different and you are one in a million yeah. and, I, and I believe that that's the case with everything you can you can be a nurse and you have a passion for for helping people and you you do it with the passion and you do it with the most kindness the, the heart and I believe that everybody is one in a million as long as they spread positivity, good energy and love. So that, that's why I ended up having that as my, as my title for the album. That's beautiful though. Yeah. You know, something I really want to touch on, you know, right at the start of the film, you're going for a hike and you mentioned how you're afraid of heights. Yeah. You know, it might seem like kind of like a small insignificant thing to some, but I think it's kind of telling and interesting how most of your life you're here at a venue like Terminal 5 tonight where you'll be in front of 3,000 people and you'll be at all these festival stages where you pretty much are essentially towering over people. So in a lot of ways, you're kind of dealing with heights in a lot of varying forms in a day-to-day -day fashion. Yeah. Does that element of being afraid of heights ever come to your mind during those moments or is it almost like a completely different thing? No, I'm... I'm right now, I'm super nervous. Like, I'm always nervous performing for people. Even uh, after all this time? Yeah. Because you, I want... When, when I perform to people I want them to leave the venue with the best experience I want them to to have had such a good night with their friends 
with their loved ones, with family or who they are bringing, even if they go alone, I hope they have met somebody new that have become their friends during the night. And I just think about all these factors all the time because I, I live for music. I just know that when I go on stage and if I have performed with a 98% of my energy, it's not good enough because I want people to, to, to have the 100%. Yeah. That's lovely though. I mean, yeah. you know, I want to talk to you a bit about your hometown. Uh, I lived in small towns for the majority of my life. What was really interesting watching the documentary is I felt like it was very eye-opening even for me. It made me feel like my interpretation of small towns in like uh, New York and like even in the UK is vastly different than what a small town yeah. is like in Norway. Um, yeah, my, tell me, what was that like for you to like have that being showcased for the world? You know, I... I... Um, I loved growing up in a small town, like it gave me the, the depth and the, the, the time and the place and the, the tools to really find myself. To, to, I think a lot of people that lives in the city and they are surrounded by so many people and they have so many different friends that eventually are not their friends. When you grow up in a town where you know everybody and like all the people that goes in your class is only the people. like. In my class, we were 18, from and I went with them in in, in grammar school, middle school, and high school. All the years I, I I went with them, and I like I stayed over like I consider all my friends from Plisa uh, either brother brothers or sisters, and and they they just uh, gave me the the the. the the right amount of uh, push to find myself. Same with my parents. Like, I, I feel like immediately, like when you grow up in a small town, like you, you also have a reputation because if you do something that is, uh, is, um, and it, it, that can backfire at you. Like if you, if you treat people with, with disrespect and like you, you are just a complete asshole. Like nobody will wants to be with you and then you have nobody else to mingle with because there's such and so I was always from from I was little I just wanted to spread love and I wanted people to smile yeah. so ever since a young age yeah. but do you feel like that influence kind of came from the town you grew up in with like the people you interacted with like those that, that's that's hard to tell because that's the only place I, I, I grew up so I, I don't know the 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 answer on that question. If I grew up like in a, in a big city, maybe I would have turned up different. Maybe I would have done drugs. Maybe I would have done another education. I don't know. But I know that that town shaped me. It's beautiful that you can recognize that because I think, I mean, you were earlier talking about like how a lot of uh, DJs, and not just DJs really, but a lot of people of like influence will kind of speak on a script. Yeah. I think there's kind of like this uh, very neat sensibility to kind of forget where you came from and yeah. kind of like almost see it as a goal. It's nice that for you it's very much not the case. Yeah. I love that. Um, you know, there's a great segment quite early on where it shows how even with a great level you could still find yourself having to deal with like label politics. I don't want to ask you about specifics because that would be kind of a coup for me, but I do think there is something to that that you could share with the world in regards to like how 
there's so much that fans and so much that people not involved with music don't understand. And I think what's interesting, my background, I started working in uh, very DIY spaces, and then I started working with major labels. And when you work in those DIY spaces, there's always this idea that labels are evil and they just kind of want to control everything. But yeah. then you get to learn that a lot of people labels want the best out of an artist because they very much believe in it. From being on the label side of things as an artist, as you have been the last couple of years, has that been a very interesting thing to reconcile with? The fact that like you might have disagreements with people in your label, but they do also care. Yeah, I think I think a lot of artists that are not relevant anymore or are are just like you have you have so many artists coming and going, and I think the the, the artists that are relevant and they can stay relevant for a long time, they have they have the respect of their team because if you have a, a team that are 10 people and collectively you get feedback from all 10 and you work out the best uh, best product out of all the feedback you get you will have a better succeed to, to make it because you, can, you there's something called one hit wonders like you have one hit and th that's purely on luck but yeah. if you can have 10 then you have done something you have managed to keep the consistentness you have managed to keep the freshness you have managed to keep like the excitement in the stuff you are making because you you collectively get inspired by all the people you work with but you also have the respect to understand their feedback in the best possible way and for me in the beginning it was hard to understand that i was like oh no they're, they're wrong like they don't know what they're talking about but then maybe there's something in what they are saying maybe maybe there's a different way i can do that chorus i can do that to have a smoother transition between the verse chorus like make the song feel more connected so I, i've been just like trying to and and i feel like it, it has taken three years to, to learn to, to work with your label, but when you yeah. finally do, like it's it's amazing. So. What's really cool to hear you talk about that the way you are now is that it sheds a lot of light in how you probably see the situation of being on a label and working with one now in regards to the fact that being an artist very much is a business. And yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a, you have to look at it as a business because like in the beginning, you can do everything with passion and you can do everything with heart. But at the end of the day, you will just work your your way to the grave because, like, you can spend so many hours and so many, like, and I, I right now, I've been doing this for six years, and I'm just at the place in life where I, I really value time with my girlfriend also, not just, like, before I was sitting 15 to 20 hours a day, like, sleeping for five, six hours just constantly working on music and didn't have any progress because like I was just stuck in my own world and I think I think like when you when you take all the feedback and you take all the all the knowledgement of all the people that work in your team and you collectively uh, make up your mind do, do I want to do I want to do this for a long time or do I, am my ego so hard that I'm just going to do like what I believe in and for some that is for some that that works for other that doesn't work and I'm I think I'm like in between I'm I'm, I'm, I'm a good team team player and I'm a good worker but at the end of the day I'm I am the 
the the the the captain. Yeah, the captain. <laughs> steering the boat. No, you almost said the boss, but I feel like captain's always been. Yeah, more cap- captain. Captain is better. Yeah. Yeah. So um, captain steering the ship and and I have. Yeah, but it's it, like. And that's why I like when I saw the Apple documentary where Steve Jobs took all the credit for everything. I just like, yeah, I, I'm Matoma, but I, I will always give um, the recognition in my team because without them there would be no Matoma. It's great to see you do that. It's very important, and you know. Um I want to make sure I approach this next bit correctly because yeah. you know something I thought was very intriguing with the doc that you don't often see is that we see you falling in love with the environment of electronic music. I think there tends to be a lot of opinions and a lot of um, ideas people have of like what electronic shows are like, what DJ culture is like. But seeing it from your lens in that documentary, it was very nice to see that it came from a very genuine place. I just want to look back a little bit because here we are in a venue that you're about to perform. It very much is an electronic music build. Bill, what do you think it is about this specific type of environment, this specific type of setup of shows that you love so much? The people. Really? Yeah. The energy, the the crowd, the 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 enjoyment of playing music. I love. Like, you you have some perform. Like I I just looked at the Bohemian Raps today. Uh, uh, film and like it was it was a masterpiece like I've, I, I, I like to see a guy with so much passion for something and so much but he had also inner demons like he was struggling like with with reality like with socializing like just living in a time where where basically he thought that he wasn't acceptable like so he he, he threw all these parties he was probably like not not inside happy on his personal life but then when he was on stage everything just make made sense every everything like when he went on stage and he used his voice as a tool to 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 show his identity and to show who he really like the the, the passion and the and the, the this this strength and everything and people just connected with it and i feel like today's like i'm, I'm no freddie mercury I, like, <laughs> but I, I enjoy music and i music is everything i uh, in my life like and if i can if i can give a little of my sparkling music inspiration to a, another person and make them feel good about themselves for one and a half hour to have joy then I have accomplished something yeah because something really special about I think electronic shows more than anything else and I think it kind of touches on what you just brought up is that I feel like more than anything else you see people in the crowd you could tell that whether they're a college student or someone works at an office or a hospital or whatever they were definitely there's an anticipation building to this moment where they know there's like a sense of release that's just very specific to this type of show. Yeah. It's really I th- I, yeah. It's just, listen, it's people just being here to have a good time. It's not rocket science. Like it's people just want to ex- escape sometimes from reality and from, from their everyday struggle and their hustling and their so they they come here and if, if if you get drunk at the matoma show and you 
and if you take drugs, like I, I, I'm not gonna judge you. You do whatever you want, as long as you spread love and positivity. I have a couple more questions for you, and then yeah. you're about to hit the stage. Thanks yeah. for taking the time. No, to no, chat. no, thank you. Um, you know, one of the other things I love about the documentary is how it painted a very accurate uh, descriptive depiction of touring life. Uh, touring's been a big part of my life as well, and I love the fact that you showed how monotonous it could be. Yeah. Was that very important for you when it came to like the editing? Of the I film? think, I, to be honest, I did not have a single note in the editing. Really? Yeah, when Tobias, he said to me, he did Shredbooth the movie for Torsten Horgmo. Mm -hmm. He's a, he's a snowboarder. Yeah. Yeah, he was like massive five, six years ago. And he did his documentary. And he did the same thing there. Like when he wants to follow a person and document their life, he specifically says that I don't want people, I don't want you to to have edits and then have feedback. I want to portray you, your life, in the best way I can. And if you then, if I have five, six people having feedback on that, that image of you that I have will be, be uh, like, yeah, distorted. That sounds obvious, but I think that's also one of those things that now as an artist, you almost have to wrap your head around. Was that like one of those things you had to like, kind of agree upon within yourself before you agreed upon yeah it. yeah I, I i struggled a little with it because i felt like for example my personal life like uh showing how much my girlfriend supports me and like I, I felt that could have been a bigger part in the documentary but at the same time um i respected this decision about like the 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 angles he wanted to to focus on and it was touring it was the fans and it was like the struggle in in being uh, a successful um, uh, artist in the industry. Yeah, that so. makes a lot of sense to me. Before I let you go here, uh, I want to just talk a little bit about uh, your latest project, your debut album, which is finally out. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's obvious that there's so much songs on there that people are not latch on to, but I thought it was very interesting that you had such an eclectic mix of collaborators. Some of my favorite people, uh, Becky Hill, Nina yeah. Nesbitt, Noah Khan. I mean, what was it like getting all these people together and like presenting them to your fans? Because I think what was really cool is like, there's people on here your fans might not be familiar with, but yeah. they're gonna grow to love. Yeah. And I feel like that's something you very much wanted to put out. Yeah. No, I am. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a vibe person. Like when I go in the studio and I vibe with people, they become my friends. And and I just uh, I met Noah. First, I got introduced to his music uh, because they reached out and asked to, if I could remix his song. And I did that because I just loved his voice. Like I, I thought, like when I heard that song, I started crying, and I was just and. From a marketing perspective and stuff like that, was the song right for me? Maybe not, but I just like, fuck, I connected, like it was so good. So I just, I sent him a text message saying like, oh damn, I'm I gonna, I gonna sparkle my, my magic on this one. Because it was pure instinct. And I did the, the remix in one night, sent it over, everybody loved it, it got released. And then that was the beginning of like talking with him. And then, he sent over an acapella asking like what I thought about it. And I, I just like, wow, this is insane. And it was pieces. Yeah. And I 
did the same thing like in one night I produced it and and then I was in LA I had I had uh, Ethan a really really amazing and nice guy helping me with like um, being a co-producer co because I've on some songs there's specific things I want to do but I haven't done it before yeah. uh, so it's nice to have somebody to, 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 to help you like with the extra little sparkle on it so um, we sat there and we we just uh, fooled around with the synths and like with everything and we just came up with this like really really cool epic um, epic chorus and we really felt it just connected so and same with Becky Hill like Becky is one of the most I mean Noah as well but Becky is also the most genuine yeah ever yeah she's amazing like seriously and and right now a couple of weeks back I was in the studio with Emily K yeah was that like uh, was it Thursday Wednesday no, no, I, I went to a show. Yeah, Barry Bomb. I was at the show yeah. as well. Oh, you were? Yeah. Oh, that was an unbelievable show. I've been yeah. trying to see him for years. Wow, he was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, so good. And and people, yeah, even there, people were having a good time spreading love. Yeah. Like, people were kissing and just showing love and affection. And like, that's, when, when I see that, I, I get so happy. Yeah. When when you can stand and, and, and you can also see an artist showing his his vulnerability and, and and talk and and just just show that he's a human and that he without the people that comes to the con concerts like he couldn't be able to do what he do does it's the same thing with me like it's all it, it, it's it's the it's the most fantastic drug ever like it's just drug of happiness it all comes together nicely yeah. Yeah, there's never going to be a better point to end the show than on that. But Tom, thanks so much for taking part. Thank really you. Really appreciate it. Thank uh, you. Of course. Good to see you. Yeah. On a Sunday morning.